Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Lounge Talk with Charlie Eden. I am Charlie Eden, and on this week's episode, we have my friend Ben Jacob joining us to talk about the game of chess. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lounge Talk. We are back after a one-week break. Today, I'm going to be talking about the game of chess with my guest. He's going to introduce himself right now. Um, I'm Benjamin Jacob. Where are you from, Ben? Uh, Upper West Side Manhattan, same as Charlie. Yes, Upper West Side Manhattaners. We are both big chess players. Um, Our chess journeys are a little different, so we're going to talk about that. And we're just going to be talking about, in general, the game, professional chess, and other things. So first off... We should, I feel like we should both say how we started playing. Yours is more interesting than mine, so if you want to start. Um, yeah, so I started playing when I was five. Um, I start, my dad just started teaching me how to play when I was in kindergarten, and I started going to the chess club at my school around the same time, and I instantly really enjoyed playing and have never really stopped playing. And then I think at the age of seven, in either first or second grade, I played in my first tournament, which I came second to last, and only did not come in last because I got a bye for one game, and played in tournaments regularly up until I was 12 when I stopped playing tournaments, and but since then have continued to play a large amount of online chess. So I played a lot when I was a kid, in a very casual way. Like I knew all the rules. I used to play my brother. I did something called lunch chess at my school, which was once a week, a guy, a chess teacher would come in during lunch and a group of us would play chess. And I was not good at all. I remember I, I never beat my older brother. Granted, like, I think when you're a kid, like the age yeah. difference of siblings matters in these things. So I was like nine, he was 12 and he was always beating me. But I don't really consider that to be the start of my chess playing career. I mean, career in quotations, because I wouldn't say it's a career, it's more of a hobby. Um, but I would say that in the beginning of 12th grade is when I really started. I was in a history class that was extraordinarily boring, and I had a friend named Dean Pepperfox, shout out to him if he's listening, who would play me in chess most days in this history class. He would absolutely kick my ass because I was not good at all. I hadn't played in a couple of years even a casual game, and he would destroy me. So I got tired of losing, so I started to try and get better. And I not only would get better playing him in games, but I would also start to play on my phone at home and during other classes when I was bored. So that's really what I credit my the start of my chess career. However, I will say I did play a tournament when I was in when I was in lower school, the, the person who did the lunch chess encouraged us to do a tournament. I do not remember how I did. I don't think I did well. I think my older brother did well, but I don't think I did well. Yeah. Yeah. Your so first tournament is always difficult. Yeah. Well, it, so far, it's my, I, I want to play in more tournaments over this upcoming summer. I want to see what I can try to find back home in New York. But for now, I would say I haven't really played a, to- played a real tournament as a chess player. So for a question I have for you, and I, I'm going to be able to answer every question I'm asking. So I guess the way we'll do it is I'll ask you a question and I'll... Mm-hmm. I'll answer, and then you can answer, and then I will answer the question myself, is when you first started playing chess, why did you fall in love with it? Was it the 
the the mind the the thinking of it was it the the fun of playing with someone across the table or was it something else was it the love of tournaments or something else so i started playing when i was five as i said before so the reasoning is a little bit hazy if i had to put it on one thing i think it was just generally something i enjoyed doing with my dad and more than any and more than just like the mental aspect which is a part that i really love right now it was just something I got to do with my dad as a five-year-old that like I, he enjoyed teaching me how to play. And it was, a, I just saw it as the same game, type of game as Monopoly or like that. I just saw it as a game that you play with your family. But as I continued to play, I, the reason I loved it and the reason I continued to play switched from that to a love of the mental aspect, not just the kind of playing with my family, the aspect of the millions of possibilities, even over billions of possibilities, and just the complexities of it. So I play chess with my father. The difference is, though, he got into chess because of me, I would say. When I started to play more on my phone in, in 12th grade, he then started to play on his phone, and then on Saturdays we would play over the board, and at first we were splitting games, but then I got way better than he did. And we'll talk about improving later in the episode. And we started to play a lot. And I think where we're similar is that that love for playing with my father kept me playing chess. Although I never had a mentor in the way that you're saying about your father who like taught me how to play chess and was like a coach of chess. I would say like my friend that I mentioned before, Dean Pepperfox, the social aspect of playing him. And then... When I got into chess YouTube, as part of my desire to get better, I started watching Eric Rosen and then Levy Rosman's YouTube channel, uh, Gotham Chess, plug to both of them. I started to realize how good some of these players were and what you're talking about, the mental game and the thinking ahead and how much I think it works my brain and exercises my brain. And I fell in love with that aspect of the game as well. Kind of, kind of what you're touching on. And... Then when I, when I find other people who play chess, so me and you met this year, for example, and something that we bond over is playing chess, it's like such a nice thing to be able to sit down and be in what I consider to be like a think tank of two yeah. people sitting at a chessboard and calculating the same position, which I really like about the game. So, yeah, go to for it. To continue on that point, on the social aspect, that was also a large reason of why I loved playing, especially in tournaments when I was in lower and middle school. It's because me and a bunch of my friends would play in the same tournaments and we would on, it was usually Friday nights, which made it difficult. I personally don't keep Shabbat, but I had friends who had to use analog clocks and all that stuff. And it was a little weird, but I remember just hanging, being able to hang out with my friends on a Friday night and play a game we all enjoyed playing when one of us was either not doing so well or just got kind of bored we could stand up from our board and go walk over to one of our friends board and obviously we couldn't speak to them but like we could share thoughts and looks through looks and something yeah something that i love that happens here on our program is whenever there's a game of chess whoever is in the room who is also a player of chess let's say me and you are playing our other friends will stand by the board and start to analyze the position themselves and then I know that I'm assuming this happens while, while I'm playing because I, hap- I know it happens when I'm watching. We'll, like if we both, if two people watching the same game catch something, they'll yeah. both like nod at each other yeah. while the two players are looking down at the board. So there's no, it, it's a major violation to talk, someone, to talk to someone who's playing chess about the game they're playing 
or honestly about chess in general. You just want to avoid the topic yeah. while they're playing. But talking to someone else who's watching the same game as you, I love that. And it's, again, what I was pointing to of there's just a think tank of thinkers yeah. who are all looking at the same position on a game of chess and seeing a bunch of different things at the same time, seeing the same things, which I love. Yeah. So something I brought up that I want to talk about is chess YouTube. And we're going to talk about computer play after this because I, for me, the, the avid playing of the compu- on the computer kind of came after I started after I started watching the chess YouTube. So I kind of want to keep it in, I want to keep it in my order. I'm sure it's different for you. So do you ever watch professional chess players on YouTube? Not very frequently. I do watch them occasionally, but it is not the main way I learn chess. I learned, I've had chess teachers and chess coaches when I was younger and most of my strategy and most of what I know from chess at a deep level comes from them. While my dad did teach me how to play, the way he taught me was how the pieces move, not any strategy. And so, which means the coaches I had, I, there were two main ones, but we'll get, we may get into that later, but the, all the majority of my strategy comes from. And so I have, when I watch chess YouTube, I'm less watching for the strategy and less and more watching for the story and somebody who I think does an amazing job of doing that is Gotham Chess. Yeah. Because he would not just analyze the position, which still interests me. It's still interesting to learn what he thinks is or what is the best move out of like a position I'm almost certainly never gonna be in, but it's still interesting to try and get a concept from that that I can use in my own game. But he also brings games that are for one reason or another, historically significant, which I find fascinating, that this is a game that has been played in basically the same exact manner for centuries. Yeah. Something that I love about that as well is when you when you watch the YouTube content, specifically Gotham, because I, I'm, a, a specific video is coming to mind, he's, he's got this way of speaking, and the, good, the example that I want to use is this video where he talks about a game... He called the gold coin game, which after the game, everyone like throws gold coins at the winner. And I remember at the beginning of the video, he says, this game was this really important game between these two historic players took place in front of a whole crowd. And at some point in the game, there's an amazing move. And then he starts the video and he starts the game. And then when he gets to the move, he says something like, look at this savage move. And then he shows you the move. And maybe from a first glance, if it's a really, 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 really well thought out move, I wouldn't understand it. And then he explains it and it expands on a historical chess timeline yeah. and story that you're touching upon. Something where we're different though is I would say I learned almost all of my chess strategy from watching chess YouTube. Stuff like rooks on the seventh rank, stuff like using back rank checkmate to your advantage, stuff like in an end game, if you have two knights, allowing the knights to protect each other, um, having a bishop and a pawn protect each other. Those are things that I learned watching chess YouTube and things that I was able to apply to my game to become a better player. Because I never had a coach or a parent to help me improve at chess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started to take these strategies and when I started playing a lot online, I tried to apply these strategies and there were times when I would be playing online where if I was stuck and I didn't really know what the best move was, I could look back at something that I learned in a YouTube video like I mentioned before, try to get the rook to the seventh rank towards towards an end game. And 
I would say, oh, I should slide my rook over to the D file because it's open and I want to get to the seventh rank, even if I wasn't sure exactly what would happen from there. And I think that is a big way that I got better. And of course, when I started playing online chess, my rating was pretty low. And since since I've started playing online chess avidly, I started at around a thousand, I would say. You know, you play your first game and it, 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 it if you win, it gives you a lot. And if you lose, it drops you a lot because it yeah. wants to try to get your rating accurate. And now I'm around 1550 to 1620, depending on the, the week, I guess. And I would say from those YouTube videos, trying to put those ideas into my online games, I've improved greatly, which has been really nice. For me. And I love, seeing, I love seeing that improvement in myself. Now, I know that you are much higher rated online than I am. Okay. So I'm curious how your online chess rating growth happened. So I forget exactly when I started playing online chess what i will say is the first chess i played on a computer was not on chess.com it was on the chess app on mac because my pair i i did not know what chess.com was and when i started playing as i said i was five and no reasonable parent would set their child up on a website that allows you to both play chess and interact with each other and fully interact with people as a five-year-old so the first my for the first few years of my chess playing, I the only online only digital chess I played would be on the computer mm-hmm. against against the computer. I forget exactly when I joined chess.com. It was when I was young, to the point that my current chess.com email, the my account is not under my own email, it is under my mom's email, because when I was that young I, while I had an email, it was nobody ever paid attention to it because I was probably nine. So to this day, my chess.com email, my chess.com account is under my mom's email, which I just think is funny. But the, so my, the way my rating has increased is it was gradual. It probably, I did, when I was still playing tournaments and more live over the board chess. I would, did not use chess.com as much purely because I was playing a lot of chess outside, uh, over the board and right. just- Off the computer. Off the computer, which I still believe is the superior way of playing chess. Agreed. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, and then once I quit tournaments, I started moving to chess.com and that's when my rating gradually started growing and growing. And it was slow growth. It was very slow. And for a very long time, I'd say a number of years in high, in high school, I'd say I was around 1,400, never breaking 1,500. And then something clicked when I came on this gap year program. I think it's because I, there was, I was surrounded by a lot of other people playing chess. At high school, like, not many people knew I even played chess. It wasn't really something I talked about, but being able to connect and talk about chess here, I think, just unlocked something in my brain. And I skyrocketed to... I think my high is 1730, and I currently sit at 1702, I believe. And so... For, just, for reference, that's like 98 percentile on chess.com, yeah. for reference of listeners. And so over just the past seven months at this point, it's been a dramatic increase. And yeah. Have you ever had a dramatic decrease? Because something that has happened to me a couple times is... <coughs> You talked about this click that happens in your brain, and I think there are times when 
I get to a certain level and I'm playing really well and then my rating starts to like flatten a little bit. I'll win a game, lose a game, win a couple, lose a couple and I'll stay, I'll flatline at whatever number and then so for some reason, something will unclick in my brain and I'll drop, let's say, yeah. 60 rating points. I'll drop a lot of games in a few days and then the, the unclick will reverse itself back somehow and then I'll shoot up to 40 points higher than I was before. That's happened to me multiple times. So I'm curious oh, if that ever happened to you. Definitely it happened to me. It happened to me earlier this week. I was down at 1630 earlier this week. I just like something click, de-clicked in my vein or unclicked in my brain. And I just, for whatever reason, could not win games and was making stupid mistakes that at this point I should not be making. And I just dove probably 70 to 80 rating points. And then gradually over the course of a few days, I... Picked it back up. Picked it back up. Got back to around where it you has been steady for the past few months. Right. And but yeah, it's happened. It's, I love looking at the little graph that Chess.com gives you of your rating because you'll just see like this, this, this. Yeah, I'm some go, like gradual increase. Gradual and then increase. A big drop, and then a higher up. Yeah, yeah. it's just a plummet, and then sometimes it will go back to where it was before the plummet. Sometimes it will be a little lower. Sometimes it will be even higher. But it's just. I find it very interesting, those just drops out of nowhere that, like, are not really explainable. Just, like, you lose five games in a row because something, something happened in right. your game. Right. Something I do now to try to avoid those from happening because when it does happen, I feel terrible about myself. Oh. It is the absolute worst feeling for a chess player. You just want to keep to, playing. Yeah, you just want because you want to pick it back up, yeah. but then you keep losing. So I started to to curb myself and limit the amount of games I play yeah. on my phone every day. I'll try to keep it to like two or three if I play games. Like if I win my first, if I, if I sit down on chess.com and I win my first game, I'll usually just put my phone away and maybe play again later. Yeah. If I lose my first game and then I play second game and I win, sometimes I'll stop or maybe if I have time to decide to play a third game. Mm -hmm. But I try to keep it at that. And I'd say a big reason for that is also the way that we are addicted to the technology that we use oh, yeah, and how the chess.com yeah. plays into that. Because when you win a game of chess.com, this like green banner flashes up and you yeah. get this like, this like arb arbitrary number in a way. Like if, if I told people in the chess community that I was rated 1550, everyone would kind of know how good I am. So it means something that number, but at the same time, it, it is an arbitrary number in that yeah. Any, any two individuals can just sit down and play a game of chess regardless of number. Yeah. And one person is just better than the other person regardless of rating. And they've added this number system that when you win or lose plays into the addictions that we feel when we use our technology. It's almost like gambling in my opinion. Yeah, in a weird way it is like gambling. Despite there being zero money involved... It, when you lose, you have the feeling that of the same feeling when you lose a hand in poker. The next one. I got the next you one. You got the next one. I got the next one. I just need to keep going. I need to keep going. And I, when I play over the board, I have do not have that feeling at all. I would rather just see why I lost and talk about why I lost rather than just be like, oh, I need to play again. And I think it's obviously purposeful that chess.com did this because the way they can... Right. Profit the most is if they have the most people playing at one time and it's absolutely genius but I 100% agree with you that like when you can when I just feel myself not being in it one day I prefer to play on my computer for a bunch of reasons I'll just close my computer do something else just 
will not let myself, like, I'll try, I'll be like, oh, wait, let me, and I'll be like, no, you're not playing chess. You're right. going to go down 20 rating points, and you're going to be on your computer for another hour and a half trying to get it back up, and it's just going to keep going down. Right. Just, and it's not a healthy cycle. It's not at all a healthy cycle. Like, just go to sleep or do something else with right. your time. Because I do enjoy playing chess, but when it becomes an unhealthy cycle where I feel like I need to get it back up, that's when I think it is. My father actually one time asked me, I don't remember exactly when this was, but I guess it was some point over senior year. He said, I was up late playing chess on my phone, and he actually asked me, are you playing right now late because you want to be playing chess, or you just have this addiction to the app? And that was like the first moment I realized that maybe it was half, half of the playing on my phone was an addiction to the technology. Because when I sit at a board, I am in, I am in love with what yeah. I'm seeing. So I know, for a, I know for a fact that I do love the game of chess. And when, when he asked me that, I didn't feel like my love for chess was questioned. I just felt like if the way I was playing chess was the right way, which is what you pointed to before that I want to bring up is the difference between playing on the computer and playing yeah. on the board. Besides for some things I want to touch on in a second, like calculating and just the fact that I in, enjoy the experience of the chess better, is that playing on the board, it feels more to me like a healthy hobby rather than Definitely. a phone addiction. Definitely. Yeah. Especially because I think at this point, not the, in the quite the same way, but chess.com, the app on my phone, sits in the same category as every other game on my phone in that I open them not because not always because I really want to play that game, but because I am bored. Right. And that is part of the reason I try and stick to playing on my computer so that it doesn't purely become a, I am bored, right. let me right. play chess. Right. But even on the computer, that annoyance of losing and that addiction still comes through somewhat. And I kind of hate it. And so, yeah. The board is better. The, the board, board is 100% better. Mm -hmm. The one argument against the board is that on chess.com you can analyze your game after and mm -hmm. so i've said this multiple times my dream setup say in chess would be a real life board that tracks your moves and then you can analyze it on a computer after i'm sure that i'm sure that board exists it does that i'm sure it absolutely they, exists yeah i'm pretty sure i think that's what they use for the world chess championship do you do you find that you're better at calculating over the board I would say that I am. I think part of it is when I play over the board, I generally don't play lower timed games. I usually play 10. I always play 10 minutes on yes. my phone, actually. But over the board, I will play 15 minutes with 15 second increments. Usually is my lowest time management, which just means you get 15 seconds after every move. And that usually gives me a lot more time to think, which means I'm able to calculate a lot more and really deep dive into each line that I'm looking mm -hmm. at a lot more, which because I love the game so much, is a more enjoyable experience. So do you find that to be the case as well? Oh, 100%. I think I... The, the, 100%. I think the way I analyze the game when I'm over the board, I just analyze it better because I don't feel this time pressure, this ticking clock, which when I play tournaments, there is still this ticking clock, but that ticking clock typically had 45 minutes on it at the least and at most two hours on each side. That was, I went to junior chess nationals in America four times, and in, at nationals, each player had two hours on the clock. Classical chess, it's called. Yes, which is, seems like a tremendous amount of time, and it is. It may actually have been more than two hours. I'm not 100% sure, but it was a 
multiple hour games, but really that time could be used up very easily if you really just deep dive in, deep dove in. When you watch when you watch grandmasters play these long games, mm -hmm. like the two hour classical chess games that I'm talking about, for example, the World Championship versus Mag, uh, it was Magnus Carlsen versus uh, Nepo, and I remember on our program we had the games up on our phones to see yeah. what was happening. And it was like every time they made a move, we were like, oh, guys, a move was just made because they had so much time. And because they were sitting over a board with two hours on the clock and, they're, and they are the best chess players in the world, mm -hmm. they were calculating every possible situation on the board and using this, these huge increments of time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to look at each individual position and make a move. And to see that from a viewer standpoint is not only incredibly exciting if you're a chess player, but it, it, it points very well to the, to the way that people play over the board rather than the way we play online. And I think the best example I've had in this year of that difference is a game I played with one of our friends, Andrew Sohn. He was on an episode of this podcast, the COVID quarantine special, if you want to check it out. Shameless plug. Also a very good chess player, one of the best on the program. And it was on Shabbat, it was Friday night, and we were playing chess, and there was no time at all. And I don't remember exactly how long we were playing, but I do remember that somebody came out multiple times, the same person, and said, oh, you two are still playing, is this the same game? And we were just like, yes. And despite that game, despite the fact that I probably would not have won that game, I was likely in a losing position, and the fact that it was cut short because one of our teacher's sons decided to grab the board because it was his without saying anything and just pick it up and leave, which angered both of us. It was still a game I loved playing just because neither of us felt any time pressure, neither, neither of us felt any pressure to do anything else but just sit there and play through this wonderful game, this hugely complex game. And I just absolutely loved that feeling of just that's I remembered why that this is what chess is supposed to be. This is chess in its purest form, just two friends playing over the board with no pressure to make a move. Right. I've seen a YouTube video before by a YouTube channel called Number File. It's like a British math channel. And they did a video on the um, amount of possible chess games and the way that they calculate it, already through four moves, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of possible positions through like four moves. As in, I move, opponent moves, that's one move. Four of those, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of possible positions. And it's insane that we sit over the board. I actually don't think I do this as much online, but I do this at the board where I sit over the board and I obviously don't see every position because my mind is trained to automatically cut out all of these positions where I'm just yeah. like sacrificing my queen for no reason and I'm making a terrible move. Yeah. But I see all of these tens of positions where I see a <laughs> bunch of moves and I say, okay, I could play rook d2. And if I play rook d2, he might play bishop e3 or he might play pawn you know, c6. And it's like, it's thinking about it now, not at a chessboard. It's fascinating to me, not only how I can do that, but it's fascinating to me how amazing I find that feeling of just yeah. doing all of that thinking. 
You know, some people, some people are big, you know, science people or math people and they'll, they could sit in front of a, a piece of paper and do a complex math problem in a, in a weird way. I feel that what I, what I imagine they're feeling calculating a chess game over the board and over the computer. I think it's a little different because although I am calculating, it feels more, it feels like more of a computer game and less, yeah. less pure and a little bit less calculated in a, in a weird way. Even do you feel that even when you have you played a game with just like unlimited time over the computer? Yeah, you feel okay, still. I still feel the same way. It just doesn't feel as pure. Interesting. Yeah. One time, so we both live in New York. Washington Square Park is a huge chess scene. Yeah. One time, I was in Washington Square Park with my friends. We were hanging out in the in the main area of the fountain, and we were on yeah. our way to go get some yeah, food. Possibly. And on the way out, I we see a bunch of guys playing chess and. I, of course, whenever I see another person playing chess or anything related to chess, I get really excited because although it is a popular, a popular hobby, I think, yeah. I don't come across it often enough that, yeah, that, that it's, that it's mundane. And it's always exciting. So I sit down to play with one of these guys and I remember all of my friends were watching and he put five minute clocks. We played for five bucks. He, he claimed to have many, many students who were 2100 rated players he got an advantage pretty early and he ended up beating me although i got him to an end game and his his friends were actually saying it was impressive that i got him to an end game too he's a good player it, it was those guys are magnificent chess yeah, players yeah. Us, they i don't think they are the best calculating chess players but there's a reason they play five minutes on that clock mm-hmm. and it's because at that time increment they are some of the best players i've ever played right. because they just they just, this is what they do all day, every day, at the same time increment, and they're just fantastic at it. There's no other way around it. They, their brains just work faster mm-hmm. than yours or mine will in that increment. When, like, I, I'm used to being able to take, like, 30 seconds to a minute to calculate a move. If you're playing in five minutes, that's a fifth of your time, and right. suddenly you start panicking. Right. They do not need to right. do that. It, it was such a fascinating experience. Yeah. And at one point, one of his friends, they were talking... My friends were talking to one of his friends while we were while me and this guy were playing about how they came to play chess. And apparently this guy said, My friends, for a while I wasn't playing chess. I was just moving pieces. And I think that points to the beauty of getting better at chess. And it becomes you're no longer moving pieces because every single move that you make, you understand everything behind why you're doing yeah. it. And it's really, it's really just fascinating. Yeah. So a, a thing I want to I want to touch upon, kind of going back to the online chess, but the online chess community not mm-hmm. playing online, is the general, the general openness that chess has now, has now taken because of things like chess.com, but also things yeah. like Reddit, and all of these famous chess players play in these tournaments like Grand Prix tournaments, yeah, candidates yeah. tournaments, like uh, there's a, tor- a tournament going on like a charity tournament, and. As, as consumers of chess content, we can view all of these games online and we can see all of these opening lines that people play and these things get talked about on threads on Reddit and on Instagram by random people like us. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. So I think the online part of chess, while it was certainly large and certainly pleasant before the pandemic, I truly believe the pandemic did more for the game of chess and bringing new people to play that game than anything else I can remember. And the Queen's Gambit show. And the Queen, that is a good point. 
the two kind overlapped, but I think the pandemic and people just being bored at home or on Zoom for any reason, just constantly being on the computer, led to be more people just being like, let me try this thing out. Mm-hmm. Let me try this thing out. And that just led to an absolute explosion of it. And because there was all these people who their only experience or almost all of their experience just comes from online, that has just strengthened the online community into a way that mm-hmm. it was not beforehand. And so I think it's amazing that there's all these opportunities and to get better online but I do think that there's going to be soon a little bit of a decrease in the strength of that as people move back into regular, more typical schedules and have less time on a computer to just play chess. Yeah, to, to consistently play chess the way that you, well, you, the way that you have is consistently play chess is far beyond the way that I've consistently played chess. You've been playing your, most of your life. Yeah. But even the way that I've consistently been playing chess, it does take dedication to a certain yeah. sense. Not like I have to study eight hours a day because I want to get better, but if I want to stay good at chess or if I want to keep playing chess, I have to actually put in the time and play chess. And I, I hope there's not a decrease. I think, I think the community that has built around chess over the pandemic, like you're talking about on internet communities, on, on YouTube channels like Gotham that we mentioned, like Eric Rosen that I mentioned, like Hikaru, I think that community has been a great place for chess ideas and chess talk and just chess in general to flourish. For example, when Nepo and Magnus were playing the world championship, they played the Rui Lopez line a few times. And I remember because I did it myself that after the world championship for a few weeks, I saw the Rui Lopez a lot when I was playing online because you had this community of chess consumers and viewers and people who were communicating over these online platforms watching the same exact game, seeing the best chess player of all time play this opening and in kind of, I want to be like Mike way, if you're a basketball person, we all want to be like Magnus. And we took that and we have tried to apply it to our own games. And it was, I I loved seeing that. And I don't play the Rui Lopez so much anymore, but that, that few weeks when I saw it a lot, I thought was a really nice is a really nice illustration of how strong the online chess community yeah, is. Definitely. And you know now with Wordle, there's actually a chessel where you like guess chess openings and you guess the moves. I don't do Wordle, but I actually do chessel every day. And I think that's another great example of just yeah. the way that the community has strengthened and the way that it is strong enough to build something like that. So I think, let me just start off by saying I hate chessel. I think that, like you said, within the first four moves of a chess game, there are thousands of possibilities. I just don't enjoy having to try and guess with a huge range of possibilities. I am somebody who is very stuck in the openings I play. I will play the same opening, one with white, one with black, and I have done this since the age of seven. There's some change in this o- these openings as I've learned more, of course, but the general openings have stayed the same. And so, Something like Chessel I, has no use to me personally. Right. right. One That's thing I want to touch on is your point is the two connecting points is your point about stop. You're hoping that when you have less time to commit to chess, you're hoping that you will not, your skill will not decrease. And the fact that like people kind of 
emulating those views. I think both of these, those two aspects, are some of are two of the biggest ways that the world of sports and the world of chess that can be connected. I am a runner. I'm not the best runner. I'm not even probably a good runner. I'm a decent runner, I'd say. Personally. By the time you're listening to this podcast, he has ran a marathon, though. Um, and I can feel it when I haven't run in a few weeks or a month. I can feel it when I just start getting out there and I'm out of shape. I'm sure you can feel the same thing when you haven't played basketball right. in a little bit. And like for your shot just isn't going in the same way. And I think it, I've had that experience with chess when like you take a little bit of a break for one reason or another. Sometimes you just don't feel like playing. And chess, especially when you're just playing online, is not something I think you should play if, you're not feel, if you don't feel like playing. Right. And you feel, and I just generally feel like I am not as good for a little bit. I need to sharpen my skills a little bit. And also the thing with emulating people is that's another way, in the same way that when a kid playing soccer scores, you see them do like Ronaldo's celebration because that's their favorite soccer player. I think the way that chess fans do that is by playing the same opening. As, right. And I think that's, that's amazing that's that true. like, that kind of similarity that you see that like yeah. these guys are basic they're fans and they're trying to emulate the, their heroes. So before we end the episode, I have one final question. I, I do this at the end of some of my episodes where if we're talking about something like chess that someone can start to play or might want to improve on, I'll have the guest give a little like mini tidbit of advice. So if there's someone out there who let's say is stuck at 1200 and they want to improve, what's yeah. your advice to them on how to continue getting better at chess? So I think if you're somebody who has purely played online, I think one of the best ways to improve is find a friend, even if like you don't think you have, many of your friends play chess, my guess is at this point they do. And or even just go outside. If we both live in New York, if you live in a big city like that, it's not super easy, but pretty easy to find just some old guys playing over the board. And playing over the board can really help other than that, my advice would be watch videos. There's so, like we said before, there's so many great resources that can be used and are pretty enjoyable to watch. Gotham Chess, again, we've mentioned it countless times throughout this episode, is enjoyable to watch. I think, obviously, you need some knowledge of chess to enjoy the video, but it's almost, it's enjoyable to watch even outside of the chess strategy. He's just an amazing storyteller who also fits in an amazingly large amount of chess strategy into these amazingly like fun and kind of whimsical and knowledgeable videos. Mm -hmm. And I think just trying to take in as many of these resources as you can. And I think that the urge can sometimes be, oh, I just need to keep playing online, keep playing online. And I think that's what my urge was when I was stuck in the 1400. When really, like, taking a step back, and I'm not saying stopping playing, but maybe changing the format in which you play can help a lot, and just trying to absorb as much information. Your, as rating, your rating spike, it seems to be, correlates with coming here and then playing a lot of over-the-board games. Yeah, I think it definitely is. So I can actually answer this question. Uh, oftentimes, I can't because I'm not as, as practiced in whatever we're talking about on the episode. But I would say a good resource is chess.com puzzles. On days where I don't have time to play games, I make sure to do all my puzzles. My, my chess rating, as I mentioned before, is about 1550, but my puzzle rating is 25, is like 2550, which is a 
you know, people are, as you just heard Ben, are impressed when I tell them that if they're, if they're chess people. Um, so doing those puzzles, it's just good practice on calculation and good practice on basic strategies, like I mentioned before, like back rank checkmates or, you know, seeing pins and stuff like that. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Ben, thank you for joining me on the episode. Thank you for having me.